clearly valuable for Jim. It's his venting session. There, there are some, there are some topics that come up. I'm like, yep, Jim just needs to like, let this go. <laughs> Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So we're back for another exciting episode. How are you guys both I'm doing? excited. It's been a little while, it feels like. It and maybe has. I've just had a few <laughs> crazy weeks and it's, it's probably a little bit about yes. Yeah. I hurt my thumb. I'm trying to uh trying to pick my son's door. He locked himself oh, out of yeah. his room. He's got a key he's mm-hmm. got a key lock and he can't get back in there. So I've been watching YouTube videos. No luck oh, so shucks. far. Have you, have you tried a credit card? Yeah. I did. I haven't, I have a, I have a pretty, um, it's a hotel card, key card. So it's yeah. pretty thick. Um, I'm going to go back and try it again. I, I, I'm hoping I've, that will work because my picking technique is not cutting. I've used hotel cards to break into hotel rooms, like not the, the way you're supposed to, but well, my card had died and I needed to get back in. So it was like a demagnetized mm-hmm. strip card, whatever. And uh, yeah, the fact that their locks were pickable that way is uh, a little unnerving. Scary. But, but Jason, how much longer until you just like take the doorknob <laughs> off? I'm getting really, really close. But <laughs> the only way to take the doorknob off is I got to like, pop the face off it and try not to destroy uh, the door. No external windows? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay. You could use? Well, that's locked. The, the windows are too? <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, we'll see. That's been my fun morning. <laughs> it does sound like fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know how you're going to... Yeah, The other day, I was talking to Jim, and he said that he's become um, a master of the Segway. <laughs> And back when, back when John was on the podcast, him and I were like trying to get together and come up with really hard scenarios for Jim to segue, and we finally we finally gave up. Speaking so. of unlocking things, uh, <laughs> <we> unlocked- <laughs> no, you- yeah, maybe maybe yeah. this one maybe this one was way too easy. Yeah, that that, that that's actually a really good one. Um, <laughs> you know, talking about you know making yourself value valuable and unlocking value. You know, in 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 your position. So right now, I'm tentatively titling this one: "How can you make yourself valuable without getting stuck in marketing pixel hell?" And I can I can hear some of the comments now. But those marketing pixels are needed to run well, I don't various think, campaigns. I don't think the folks listening to this are going to be feeling that. <laughs> I suspect yeah. most of the folks <laughs> listening to this will be right there with us, just like, oh, pixels. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because if you think about it, when it comes to being a technical implementer, you know, a, 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 an architect with this kind of technology, one way you can show value is, you know, the deployment of analytics marketing, uh, analytics and marketing uh, technology data collection logic. 
And focusing on that can be a problem because in some ways the value is fleeting, right? It, it, in a way, it's like a, it, 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 it's a cheap fix. And if you, if you think about it, you know, there's always something new to deploy. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you're stuck in marketing pixel hell where all you're doing is uh, servicing requests to deploy various, um, various basic tags. Whereas say, if you're someone that wants to be more of like a, a high-end solution designer, a, com a complex problem solver, you, you can get yourself pigeonholed very, very fast. So I'm gonna start out with, with one question to kind of get us start, started and see where we go. How can you make sure you're providing value? And sometimes value is seen as, you know, checking things off of a list, but without falling into that trap, right? How do you show value? How do you show that things are getting done without just coming back and telling people week after week, I've deployed these six or 10 tags? Boy, that's just the question of the uh, year, isn't it? Because it's, I think part of it is helping set the tone, the expectations, whatever, um, so that you are, you and or the client, everyone in the analytics team, uh, the folks that you're working with, remember the overall goals of tracking data and, and all of these tags. Um, because it's really easy to get it to lose sight of the forest because of the trees, um, especially when you're on the technical side of things. And uh, like <laughs> folks like me, I've got a programmer background. Uh, it's very easy for me to say, yes, I'll figure out why that tag isn't working and dork around on it for six hours because I want to be able to say I accomplished the thing. When really a lot of the time we just should be pushing back and saying, wait, why do we even need this tag? How does it conflict with things that we already have? How does it match with our organization goals? Like uh, those type of questions, um, it could be hard to get that precedent set that you know this is the way that we view tracking, that we should always be running through these kind of value filters. Um, but I think if folks did, there'd be a lot less deployment of marketing tags, to be honest. Yeah, Jen brings up a really interesting point um, because we, I think we see more and more the separation of, of analytics teams where maybe 10 years ago you had a self-contained team that, that did everything. It's, it's no longer the case. And I think part of it's with the explosion of MarTech in general, you now have kind of the business team and you have a separate team that does the, the technical work, the instrumentation. And a lot of times they don't roll up to the same management structure. And um, I think one of the challenges is to, to, to Jen's point is that we, we need both sides to be equal in the conversation. And, and a lot of times what I see happen is, um, you know, Jen's giving really good advice to the, to the implementer. They need to be asking questions. You know, why, why are we implementing this? Are we doing this in the right way? Do we have governance in place to ensure that this is done on a, on a timely manner? And often, the feedback is, and and maybe it's a little softer than this. It's just just shut up and do your job. Like I'm just asking you to implement the the code. Just implement it and don't ask questions. Yet when it comes back to trying to go back to the tech technical team and saying, well, why isn't this working? It's like, well, you you know, you don't want us involved. We don't know. Like we're just pushing the code. So it's it's kind of this catch twenty two where it's almost an, an organizational mm -hmm. issue where. We, we need to make sure that we're we're both on the same side and we're asking questions and 
If not, then I think Jen's spot on that the default is just do stuff. Like we're just doing stuff to do stuff. And you get, you get caught in that, that repetitive cycle. Um, and I think part of it is just the small team sizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've seen, you know, we work with some massive, massive brands that have one or two people that are in charge of everything. And they're so overwhelmed just trying to keep up with their queue. The last thing they want to do is stop and ask questions about, well, why are we even doing this? Yeah. Well, and, and in a lot of cases, I think it's gone. I, I absolutely agree that it's kind of the the team some of that siloing of now the folks implementing might not be the folks using the data and things like that. But in a lot of orgs, it's gotten even a few more steps review, uh, removed because uh, you'll have the analytics insight team that works in the GA or the Adobe analytics. And then you'll have maybe a separate marketing team who then is working with a third uh, agency that has their own marketing pixels they want to deploy. So if you want to push back and say, hey, what's the value in this? You have to go through like six people to finally get to the requester. Um, and then that's not to say don't do it, but I think it's not just a process. The, the solution isn't just processes. It's, again, setting those expectations that if at least the implementer knows and the analyst knows and the marketer person knows, you know, and whoever is owning the relationship with this third party vendor who wants a pixel knows that it's, uh, you know, value driven, that we're going to document everything, what are the requirements, and we're not just going to take a pixel, turn around, stick it on the site and, and go on our merry way. Yeah. You know, Jen reminded me of a tweet that I have in uh, draft form that I've been meaning to polish up and, and send about, um, a challenge that I see specifically that Adobe has um, in that they have a huge army of marketing agencies that are under um, cutting, undermining the uh, Adobe's initiatives. And it's not because they're doing it out of spite, but they don't understand Adobe. They don't want to take the time to understand Adobe. And so what they do, and I've seen this with multiple companies that have Adobe as their um, I guess you would say system of record from a digital analytics perspective, these marketing agencies get in there and say, Hey, I see you have Adobe. Um, we strongly recommend mm-hmm. GA because it's what they're comfortable with. And then they push that initiative. And, and the reason why it undermines everything is that things are being done on a unit by unit basis. Um, and no one is stepping up and saying, well, what are we trying to solve as a company? It's really all about, well, this is what we are trying to do as a marketing organization. And this is what we're trying to do as an IT organization. And I think a lot of this comes back to, at least from a digital analytics perspective, is that for most companies, it's never really found a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it does find a home, it's it's in marketing or it's somewhere else and analytics alliance to those initiatives for that team. But no one is really stepping up at a more senior level saying, but what are we trying to solve for the company? And I think that that's where a lot of these issues get magnified. What do you think, Jim? You're being Jim's quiet. Like, Jim, he, he's looking at me inquisitively like. <laughs> Tell me more. Mm, I like your, right. wait, what's what's the quote? Your, your ideas intrigue me and I'd like to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you think sales is also ha- has a role in this? Because I, f- I feel like Martech sales, you know, also oversimplifies things uh, yeah. as well. 
and it's just deploy this tag. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a huge problem. I was talking with um, a company about that a, a couple weeks ago, and I mean, I get it. And 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 in isolation, and they're not lying, right? Like in a very in a in a clean lab environment where everything is controlled for, it's super simple to deploy these technologies. But no business is super simple. It's it's very very complicated, and you know they're trying to sell solutions, and 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 I respect that. But I think there's also to your your question, Jim. I think there's a lot of of damage that's being done because the expectations are misset so early and often and it typically gets pushed to the implementer to to deal with you know because the marketing team they've heard the pitch you know you know what and it and it could be a it could be a big SaaS vendor it could be a marketing agency that wants to run a campaign and they're like look they told us to get this going it's super easy just give this snippet to your tech team and it's done Mm-hmm. And, and rarely do we do we see that's the case. And then again, unfortunately, it's it's more of a one way street where these requests are pushed down and there's no feedback mechanism. And oftentimes it's the tech team that kind of has to fall on the sword and work extra hours and push to make this work. And there's no feedback mechanism going back to the marketing team saying, just want to give you a little bit of education. <laughs> you know, you they said it was easy, but here's what it actually took. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm not saying that not to be a team player. I'm saying that in that we need all of this information to be making smart decisions. And we can't, we can't maintain this process long-term and we've seen it. I've seen firsthand people leave jobs because they've been buried in marketing pixels. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I've been dealing with something along those lines for the last two weeks for, for one client. It's the, hey, we need help deploying the, this, this vendor. Um, and I go in, I take a look at them like, well, what they've sent over, because they got the, the, have your tech team deploy this. And it was the just the, the generic knowledge base article with the generic tag. I'm like, and okay. that, yeah. So that's then, what I was going to chime in right? with. But yeah. Yep. So what I did was I said, okay, I, you know, I, I said, I put together a, a spreadsheet outlining all of the the various fields and functions they say I need to implement. I'm like, here are the values. Send it over. And they're like, yeah, that, that, that'll work. So I start wiring it up and I start running into problems and I send some, some, some sample transactions back. And they're like, oh, no, 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 you need to do this and you need to do that. And I'm kind of thinking like, well, if you told me that like three days ago, we, we'd be much further mm-hmm. along. And it, it's been, been one of those things for the last two weeks, just dragging. Cause then every time I turn around, it's like, Oh no, you need to fix this. And you need to fix that. I'm like, if you would answer some of my questions from the very beginning, we would have been much further along. And also, you know, you, you set the expectation up front that, Oh, just send this to your tech team and they'll be able to deploy. And I feel like for me, 80% of the time that I spend deploying pixels and I've deployed a few in my time, um, is gathering requirements, is pushing back on whoever was requesting it and saying, okay, you say that you want to track product ID. Uh, are you talking about you know, the SKU or the, this other type of ID? Or maybe you're, you're actually looking for the product name. And your very generic documentation says, you know, pass the customer ID here. Well, what for, like those type of questions that end up resulting in a lot of back and forth and uh, frequently, it's just not a lot of forethought has gone into it. So I don't know. 
uh, I think a lot of it comes back to, again, that, that processes of having processes in place and making sure, like I said earlier, that part of your process is making sure everybody understands that pixels need to be driven by value and, and answering questions aligning with organizational goals and all of that. But also just, you know, the process should include some of those things that are, you know, standard gotchas when it comes to requirements of, you know, do you want it on all pages? Or when you say you want it on the confirmation page, do you need it in this situation? The, all of those questions that just suck so much time and soul. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And and I, I'd also say a lot of it is documentation um, of keeping track of what things you already have deployed and who requested them and when they got put there and when you can take them down. Because um, frequently, you know, we're fixing pixels that it turns out nobody's been using in months um, merely because we saw that they were broken. And yeah, so process is the is part of the answer. I'm not going to say yeah. it's the entire answer, but it is a big part of the answer. So let me ask you both a question. I don't want to pick on marketing agencies, but I think it's it's just an easy um, scenario to talk through. Um, how much of it do you think is just lack of education, understanding what it truly takes to collect quality data versus they don't care? Um, meaning that as long as we launch the campaign and we get paid for running these campaigns, that's all we care about. And the client isn't pushing us to have a more fit campaign that we're constantly refining with our data. So it doesn't really matter how well, how well the data performs. We just need to launch the campaign and maybe I'm being, um, a bit, uh, what's the word, um, obtuse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We just start but, throwing out negative okay, so, things at Jason. Oh, maybe you're being too <laughs> stupid. <laughs> things, things, that are, things that are being electrocuted. Um, no. Not naive? Maybe cynical is, like, is what it sounded like that? to me. Yeah. Cynical. That's That's cynical. cynical is the word. Yes, cynical is the word I'm looking for. Maybe I'm being a bit too cynical that, you know, marketing is just let's turn on the tap and stuff works and we don't question it. But maybe maybe I, I'm not. I don't know. I'm definitely uh, cynical as well. But I do think that a big part of it is what we were talking about earlier of just roles being separated of when the mm, double click uh, representative that is working with my client sends them the requirements they don't necessarily know the technical details because they're not the double click engineers who wrote all of the script to account for different situations and all of that. Or they're not able to tell me which product ID to pass because that's actually maybe a question for the people looking at the data who may or may not be my own marketing team, but rather a third party agency. So it's just, it's so hard to get everyone on the same page when you know, things are as spread out as they are. But, sh but shouldn't it be their job? Like, why does that always fall to the analytics implementer to be the uh, expert on every marketing technology? Because no um, one else will. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's definitely part of it. And also part of it is just this race to get stuff done and this race to win clients. Um, because as you're giving your two examples, I immediately defaulted to lack of, lack of knowledge 
because over the years, I, you know, whenever dealing with a marketing agency, I typically run into a situation where you have an account manager who's a bit more senior in the organization. And then like the, the day-to-day campaign person, and both of them are handing over, you know, um, highly technical information, but really it's, 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 it's a generic knowledge base article or generic document and they don't know the intricacies that go into it you know they've been they themselves have been told you know it's just easy you know just hand this off to a developer they'll know what it means and they'll be able to quickly wire it up um that that usually seems to be the case but then i think it is also just this rush to launch campaigns and rush to win business so and i'm not trying to give a cop-out answer of it's both I think a lot of it is the first scenario and it's driven by the second <laughs> scenario, the, the, the drive to win business. So a lot of these agencies scale by sometimes just hiring warm bodies. And I don't mean that to be an insult <laughs> to, to marketing analysts, but a lot of times they put very junior people um, on an account and they're not fully trained on exactly what goes into lighting up the technology. Yeah. And so I, you know, I think the onus really comes back to the business. Um, I think until the business sets an expectation that we're going to be more critical of our numbers, then, then agencies can get away with this. Mm -hmm. Um, Because unless we're questioning it and, and I, and again, I've heard this directly from, from marketing companies where, you know, I, or marketing organizations where I've pushed back and said, look, the data isn't supporting this as a strong campaign. And it never shocks me when I hear, yeah, but it's it's working because we're getting more X. We're getting more mm-hmm. visits. We're getting more sales. I'm like, yeah, but it's th- the quality isn't there. You're overpaying for that sale. But in their mind, it's working because they've been tasked with driving more sales. We turn on the marketing faucet and we get more sales. And so mm-hmm. until that organization starts to become a little bit more critical about that data and saying, well, wait a minute, not only do we want more sales, we want to make sure we're paying the right the right price for each sale that we're getting. Then again, I think you can get away with it. And I and, and this isn't every agency. I mean, I've definitely worked with marketing agencies that that really seem to care and have high end analysts and are constantly refining. But I think they're the exception. And, mm-hmm. and I think a big reason for it is, is the market isn't asking for anything more. So why should we give more? Mm-hmm. And to. Um... You know, not not to pat pat my own back, but I, I tried to slow this particular client down a bit, and because of course the, the one of our stakeholders came to me like, well, the agency's saying these tags aren't working, so can you help wire these tags up and just send text files over? I'm like, well, let's slow down because I know they're working on multiple different campaign types for you. I'm like, let's actually take the time right now to build out a map of exactly what data they need and where and what vendors so that you guys can manage this much easier going forward because and as we started to dig in um we we started to find that um the the, this particular agency has had a couple different people involved has sent requests over to multiple different people on on the client side and we're actually finding tags that no one knew were Mm -hmm. deployed outside of the tag manager like they're hard coded to the page and everyone's like well what's this one so that's when like okay we're going to build out an architecture doc. We're going to outline exactly what tags you need and where and what values are being passed. And then we're going to get the client's tech team in who is like the 
the regular manager and maintainer of marketing tags and say, here's how you manage this agency. And here's what you do when they request updates. How much of, well, let me ask you both this. Um, how much of setting proper expectations is important and has helped um, in, in managing that, that flow? Uh, I, I, from, from a previous client that I worked with, um, we set the expectation that if it's a dumb pixel, meaning we just have to deploy it, and maybe it's not deployed across the site, maybe it's targeted to specific pages, but we're not capturing any metadata on it. If it's a dumb pixel, it takes us um, five business days to turn it around to be in production. If it's a smart pixel, if we have to capture any metadata, like product data, SKUs, anything like that, it takes 14 days to, from request to getting it in production so that we could build that buffer to do our due diligence to Jen's point to do, you know, requirements gathering to make sure that we're fully vetting out what needs to be done. Um, have you, have you seen something like that work where you set some kind of a time frame, um, or from your experience that marketing organizations tend to want it now, and regardless of how much governance you put in place, it's really not going to make a difference. Both. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it, it helps. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it all depends upon who you have on the other side. Um, you know, I've had clients that completely understand that. And when you start as part of setting expectations, the reason why we're doing this is we're not doing this for red tape. We're doing this for data integrity reasons. We're doing this for site stability reasons. We're not going to rush stuff out. A lot of times they will respond to it. But then there are those that doesn't matter what you say. You could say this particular tag is going to take down the site or this particular tag is is going to slow a page down by 10 seconds and I'm being extreme. But it doesn't matter if you bring up you know situations like that. They're still going to say, we need this. Our vendor said do it. And they will ex uh, escalate to their boss's boss to you know engage in a screaming match to get it done. So it, it all depends on the other side. So it's like when you do have those people that understand, I mean, like definitely work with them. Uh, to help fend off those that don't. Let me, go ahead, Jen, because I have a, a, a separate question. Okay. Well, um, I think it definitely helps if you have the, the processes and some of those expectations set. But I also don't think I've ever encountered a client that follows the process 100% of the time, that there are always exceptions. But I also think it's hard because usually implementing these processes and trying to get the precedent set it's only something you can start doing now and going forward. And it turns out you have three years worth of tags already on your site and a lot of precedent and expectations already set with folks. And uh, I think it's a lot of those things that are kind of grandfathered in <laughs> that end up taking a lot of time to maintain because A, I have if I want to start governing things now, I have to document the stuff that I, hasn't been well governed in the past. And that takes a lot of time. And B, I have to uh, make sure that I'm, um, uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but yeah, the it's really, really hard. A lot of the maintenance goes into things that haven't been well documented in the past that we never had requirements for. And, you know, setting up the process takes time, but also grandfathering and old things takes time. And uh, that's hard. So now I have two questions and I'm not sure, <laughs> sure which one to go with. All right, Jim, A or B? Go with B. 
Okay. So um, let me play devil's advocate then and say, but Jen, um, you know, you told us that we had to take this last six months to build this world-class tag management solution with a data layer. And that the promise was that we had all of this centralized data, that we had the core user experience on our site architected out in our tag manager. And we were told that this was to make it easy so that we could just plug technologies directly in and we didn't have to think about all of this data that it was already there aligned with the user flow. We plug a new technology in, it sources that data and just go. So you you know, I don't understand why this is just as complicated as it was before we had our tag manager. Well, shame on whoever told you that, <laughs> that, it, <laughs> um, that you wouldn't have to continue but, but, thinking and but governing. Isn't, isn't that part of the promise no, that a lot is. of the ta- so yeah. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, part of it is, again, setting the expectations. And I I do think folks have gotten better about not selling tag management, particularly as, you know, solving all of your problems. A lot of the time, it's just shifting the problems from from developers, maybe, to analysts and marketers. Um, but, But it's one of those things that if you get it set up correctly and governed correctly from the start and you have the right resources on it, then maintaining it is not so bad like maintaining it becomes easier the problem is is nobody's really starting with that clean slate and nobody's working in that kind of ideal scenario so yeah those promises and expectations don't get met because uh frequently we're dealing with the gross old data layer that was you know from five years ago and a different tms or we're dealing with a company that for whatever reason, the marketers are, you know, not on good speaking terms with the analysts or whatever. There's just, there's always reasons. Um, making it so you can't just start clean because there's, there's history there already or there's mess there already you have to deal with. Okay. Jim, do you have a thought? Okay. So I'm going to ask I'm going to ask my other question. Go ahead, ask your other question. So my other question that as Jen was talking that came up is, why are we recreating analytics to end degrees? Um, So five or six years ago, you know, I'm deploying double click pixels. I'm deploying Facebook pixels. It's a fairly benign kind of just a counter pixel. Did this happen or not? Did I reach this point or not? But now it seems like the majority of pixels are very, very complex and they're each coming with their own payload of data that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And every time I see it, I think to myself, but we already have this data in Google Analytics. We already have this data in Adobe. Why are we sending it to yet another vendor that has a set of screens that you can analyze the campaign? why like is it really necessary um the first thing that comes to mind for me with that is it part of it's a trojan horse um because if you if you're watching a lot of the martech uh out there there there's a bit of consolidation going on i think i was talking to bryant the other day like i don't think there's any really many standalone enterprise level esps around they've all been gobbled up and have made into you know been integrated into various you know uh marketing platforms so they don't want you to like because i've uh, a client and i have had an argument with one of their agencies because he is exact he said exactly that 
we have this information. We can configure an extract to send you this information if you're purely looking to, to measure. And there was always an excuse not to. Well, no, you're not going to be able to send it in the format that we need it. We need it this way. It's to get people to buy more and more into a platform. So part of me argues that, yeah, there, there's a bit of a Trojan horse going on. You know, yeah, if you, you, get, yeah. you get this thing wired up, well, then why don't we just add this? And then we, yeah. why don't we yeah. just add that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and look, if, if they were truly sourcing this data to programmatically adjust the marketing campaigns and that was part of their secret sauce and process, I, I'm all for that. But if mm -hmm. we're sending all of this data because they have a set of dashboards that show visits and <laughs> visitors and page views, I'm like, why are we replicating that? We already mm -hmm. have this in our enterprise system. Why are we opening up a whole other, and you, you know, you may be right. It, you know, it may be that at the, in the beginning it was thought of as a, as a cute little value add because everyone wants analytics, but now there's, it's seen more as a, well, why don't we get them into our ecosystem and build out more and more and more. But I'm seeing it, you know, with, with analytics being so hot, it just seems like every service you subscribe to has analytics built into it. Um, and, you know, to a, to a degree, I think that's fine, but I think part of it is like, as an organization, we need to make a determination of what's our enterprise system and maybe start questioning it. Like we do so much without questioning. Well, our vendor says we need to send them this data. Well, why? Mm -hmm. Why do we need that data? Well, why do they, what are they gonna do with that data? I think part of it goes back to what, I, I think there are so many reasons to this second question. Part of it goes back to what I was saying earlier of just there's so many people involved that you know it ends up being that the consumers of the data are and times removed from uh, the folks that already have the Adobe stack or Google or solid set of data that they would be using. Um, I think part of it is folks trying to do what seems simpler in the moment of, you know, let's say that I'm double click and I, uh, I want to know uh, how well a campaign is doing. It would be seem too hard, like too big of a thing to, to uh, bite, <laughs> to chew, to say, let me understand your Adobe Analytics stuff and let me make sure that my tool meshes with yours nicely. Let me be confident in your tool stack. But then for this other client, let me be confident in GA and this other client, let me be confident in Snowplow. So, you know, if I were a vendor, I'd say it's just so much simpler. I know my own tool we can you know be accountable for and in control of it rather than accounting for all of the differences in everybody else's stacks i also think part of it again being cynical is if i'm a vendor i want the most control over that data that i can get and i want to be able to maybe even see it before the client sees it or i want to uh Maybe not. I don't want to say massage. I don't think it's dishonest so much as. Well, I don't know. Because <laughs> yeah, I was going to. Didn't we just see that like Facebook or someone is getting raked across the coals for inflating video views? It was Facebook. Um, yeah. Um, so I would be cynical. Yeah. Uh, because mm -hmm. if, if I'm a marketing agency and I'm getting paid by, you know, performance or conversion, yeah. I have a vested interest in, in massaging the but data. But at the same time, if I'm a, a third party and I have a vested interest in, in that, and my client comes to me and says, it looks like our revenue absolutely tanked uh, when we deployed your campaign. Um, 
I, I know that I'd be like, well, we're going to have to troubleshoot that data because, uh, oh, it turns out that something broke on your guys' end and it, it turns out that your data wasn't trustworthy. So I think a lot of it is just th this mistrust of other people's data sets. We'd rather have our own. Agreed. Understood. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can see that. I don't know, but I do think about that, that episode a couple of weeks ago about measuring to, to metrics. And if, if this data is, you know, if I'm able to control the flow of data, um, I'm able to be in control of it. I mean, me personally, I'm not going to, you know, I, I guess maybe because I have a conscience, but I don't necessarily <laughs> trust many others to have a conscience, especially when paychecks are on the line. Or... Well, to have a conscience or even just have data quality. Mm -hmm. Like whether or not I think they're ethical, um, I am cynical enough to trust that their data is going to be high quality. Mm -hmm. Or, or, and also how about having an independent third party? Yeah. Cause we, I, I remember uh, three or four years ago, we were working with a, um, a marketing agency that um, they were working with a major brand that was going through a, uh, kind of an identity crisis. They were trying to rebrand as a cool brand. Um, <laughs> and they hired this agency to do their entire rebranding campaign. And one of the line items was, we have our data, you have your data. We need to hire someone independent that is going to come in and just tell us what it is. Because we're going to put our spin on what we think. We know you're going to put your spin on what you think. We need a third party to come in that isn't doesn't have a vested interest in either party to tell us what they think of, of the data. So I think we've done a couple of those and it's been, it's been really interesting because even if, even if they aren't malicious, even if they aren't, you know, actually going in there and, and doing evil things with the data, we're all human. And as analysts, the decisions we make can sway the narrative. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I think it's just human nature. Oh, did I get a delivery? <laughs> I, think it's just, I think it's just human nature um, that we're going to kind of pick the data that tells our narrative. And, and I think it's, I think it's smart of, you know, both agencies and, and companies to say, we know that, you know, we have our data, we trust it, we trust your data, but we don't trust that we won't be, you know, a little bit biased towards our story. So why don't we go find a third party that, that has no bias in it and let's hear what they have to say. So you're saying it's normal for people to suffer from confirmation bias. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I have yeah. so many snarky responses to that. that I'm going <laughs> to leave politics out of it. Eh? <laughs> well, we had a good discussion on Twitter yesterday about if we should take a stance or not. And nine, nine out of 10 respondents said that uh, they, they like people to take a stand. So. <laughs> and the other not, one not out trying, of 10. Not, try, not trying to go you into anything. <laughs> <laughs> um. So going back to ultimately the question we started with of, you know, how do you not get stuck in marketing pixel hell? I think we've talked about that a fair amount, or at least why the hell exists, but also how do you make sure that you're providing value? And that latter part, it's, it's tricky because <laughs> once we've established, like here are all of the reasons why marketing pixel hell exists, you know, we can say follow processes, set expectations and all of that. Um, but even if we do all of that, um, and because of awesome governance and processes, we're down to only spending half hour every other week fixing yeah. or deploying pixels. 
then how, as an implementer, am I going to use all that new free time of mine um, to provide value, uh, especially with all of the data that maybe we got from the marketing pixels or, or whatever? It has to be twofold. There has to be a drive from the implementer to want to know and understand the consequences of their actions and be insanely curious about that. But they also need a seat at the table uh, because yeah. if, if, if we're just asking them to deploy code, they can be as curious as they want. But if we're not giving them a seat at the table to help them truly understand the outputs of what they're doing, and not only that, but to understand the business landscape so that they can be an active participant in helping provide direction and feedback in what we're doing. I think they're always going to be seen as a as a lesser corporate citizen. And that's unfortunate Yeah. Uh, because I think they're they're in such a great position to be able to provide a tremendous amount of value, but they have to be included. I'm all but like standing up and slow clapping because I, I think that's such a huge part of it. And I. Uh, I think I've talked about it in other podcasts, but I really, really wish that cross cross role training was more of a thing of, you know, your marketing pixel deployer <laughs> may not really need to understand all of the ins and outs of analysis workspace or big query or whatever it is. Um, but merely sitting down with them, uh, with any new person on the team or whatever, and walking them through, okay, you're doing this part of our overall process, but just so you know, here's what it looks like in the end and the type of decisions we're making off of it and the people that are involved and all of that. Uh, I think it makes a world of difference. And it also kind of sets up some of those relationships so that they can have a seat at the table and bring valuable insight and all of that. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And especially if your organization is using one of the, the major prepackaged vendors like Adobe, like Google, because the, the decisions an implementer makes has such a drastic um, influence on how the data is, is processed, how it's organized and how it's presented to, to analysts. So there, it's not just a nice to have. I mean, we're, we're tasking implementers with making critical decisions for how the analysts do their job. And so without them having a seat at that table and understanding what the output of their decisions look like and how the business is using it, it's, you know, you're, you're kind of just throwing darts at a dartboard and hoping it hits on, like you have no idea. And, and I love that idea, but a lot of it comes down to time. And again, you know, if we had the time, yeah. I think organizations would love for all this stuff to happen. I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's someone sitting in a car listening to our podcast saying, yes, that would be amazing. But I, I have two people on my team that are in charge of our tag manager, in charge of our data layer, deploying our, all our third party pixels, deploying our analytics, building um, campaigns for our optimization program, wiring in our audience solution they just don't have time to like think about what the business needs. And so I, I think that that's part of the problem is people say, I don't have time to sit down and do these, these things. When part of the problem is you don't have time because you haven't done those things. Like things end up taking up so much more time because you approached it as, you know, a single task of just deploying this pixel rather than treating it like something, you know, part of a, a bigger whole and, uh, I I do. I think so much yeah. time is wasted because we don't take the time to to do those parts. And I think of even you know deploying pixels. 
that the number of times that I've been given the standard knowledge base article of deploy this pixel, or maybe even something with, with a little more thought put into it than that. But if they had come to me and I, I recognize that it would take a certain amount of uh, assumptions about everyone's competence to do this. Um, but if they were to come to me, assume me to be competent and caring and say, not just here is the pixel I need you to put on the page, but here is what we're doing with it and the reports we want to see. Uh, I think of one example lately where I was deploying something for Google uh, customer, eh, <laughs> I'm going to totally mix up Google and Adobe's terms here, but it was basically customer attributes, like Adobe style, but for Google. And had they told me from the start that that's what it was, the questions that I asked of them when I was trying to figure out the requirements would have been so much more to the point. We would have had only one, one or two back and forths with requirements and validation. Um, but nobody wants to take the time to do that up front. So we have eight back and forths <laughs> getting the requirements. And we didn't actually save any time. So is... I don't, man, I don't know how much time we have to even go down that path, but you bring up an interesting point because is this, is this what they refer to when they say, well, we've acquired a lot of technical debt um, in that we've, you know, we've done things incorrectly. Um, and because of that, it's not very efficient. And because it's not very efficient, we don't have time to slow down because exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about earlier, where you're just kind of have, having to grandfather in the mess that you currently have. And that so how do you how do you break that cycle? Because if you don't, it just seems like it keeps piling up on itself until yeah. it reaches some kind of like breaking point. What do you think, Jim? I keep on butting in because I have yeah. lots to say. Like. It, it to be honest with you, it's it's hard to break that cycle, right? Yeah. Because you you it's you know it, because it, my my first answer is is again you know if, if say you're on the vendor side such such as we are right, and you know we have a client where we're running into that situation, the the, the first thing I always try to do is at least find someone who's sympathetic on their side who's willing to at least listen and and consider it. But it's often very hard because, again, we go back to we talk about like lack of education or lack of understanding of, of all of this stuff. And then the, the loud voices take over, the, those yelling and screaming, we just need to move forward. We just need to move forward. I, I don't have a good answer for this one because that's that's most likely the common scenario most people run into. Maybe they may, they get a few people that understand it. But you need going back to what you were saying, you need someone at the table that has just as loud a voice to say, no, we are going to stop. We're going to clean this mess up or what, whatever we need to do before we just continue to add to it. Yep. I agree with that. And I think it comes back to having a seat at the table for, for digital analytics in general. Mm -hmm. I, I still think for most organizations then, and I, and I use the terminology, the kids table, you know, at, at Thanksgiving, they're the, you know, at digital analytics is at the little card table that's been added on to the really nice fancy table because we ran out of room mm -hmm. um, in, in most instances. And I think until, you know, the industry grows up and we're able to truly talk about the value that we're adding for organizations to say, this is why we need to sit there. It's going to be a struggle um, because but will I think we ever grow up if we like it's a catch 22. We have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
No, I mean, we have to, otherwise I think they'll, they'll get a breaking point where companies start to say, well, why are we paying for this? Right? right. Because they're, they're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, just on licensing fees, um, let alone people fees to, to make this stuff go. And at some point in time, and maybe it's going to take a recession or who knows what, but at some point in time, I have to imagine that businesses are going to take a step back and start to question and say, you know, either they deserve a seat at the strategic table, or maybe this isn't the critical spend it is because it's, it's mind boggling to me that we spend so much money on it, yet it's really mm -hmm. still looked at as kind of a, a, a kid at the, yeah. at the party. We're not, well, we don't really have full adult, adult status yet. Well, I think part of it too is if we go back to what we were talking about, like, you know, being a te technical implementer and instrumentation and marketing pixel hell, one of the things I've found is that instrumentation is a quick fix. It, it's a quick hit that you feel like you're moving forward. And I think people fall into that, um, that, that, that routine of just one more tag and we're going to be fine. Just one more technical vendor and we're going to be in marketing technology, you know, utopia. Or and, even that, I'll bring on one more resource who's going to do marketing tags and that yes. will solve everything and it won't. <laughs> yes. It's, it's always just, just, just one more thing and we're going to be where, where, where we need to be. And, but then all it's doing is piling on. Yeah. I think a lot of it is folks uh, getting stuck, like Jason said, technical debt, or uh, it's almost like sunk cost is enough of a thing that we're not willing to acknowledge when something's not working and change it or maybe make changes iteratively and just say, okay, well, at least going forward, I'm going to start documenting every tag that we get in and put a date on it and put a name on it. Um, or going forward, I'm going to have people go through this Google form or JIRA ticket, whatever, so that, you know, we have records of things and we're, we're sure we're asking the right questions from the beginning. And never mind the fact you haven't done it in the past, at least start. Um, because that's going to be better than, you know, two years from now, wishing you had started two years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, so be, I, I, and be willing to iterate, you know, what, yeah. find what works. So I have two pieces of advice, one, one for the implementer uh, and one for, for the, the business. For the, for the implementer, I think, you know, you're, you're in a unique position to have a voice and stand up and, and push back. Um, because if you don't, you're going to be miserable anyway. I hold so the data hostage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but what, what's the risk of, of being a strong voice and taking some ownership that, that you care. And again, like not from a position of, I'm just trying to be authoritarian or I'm just trying to be, you know, difficult, but I truly care about what we're trying to solve for. I think that's going to put you in a really good position at this company or, or the next. And, and so, you know, I think as an implementer, you have to take some responsibility and ownership um, in the discussion. Um, but to businesses, I think, you know, they also have to take responsibility. So if I'm in a position to, to dictate workload and, and what my team is, is working on, and I truly care about the, the team, um, I, again, I, I've personally seen people quit jobs specifically because all they did all day long was manage pixels and it mm -hmm. was, it, it, it just wore them out. And so if, if you really care about your team and you want to keep them around, 
you know, give them some kind of a structure and voice so that they can help change the cycle because the end is predictable. They, they will quit and leave your organization. And if, if it's someone you value, then that's, that's a huge loss for something that, that can be addressed. I have one item to add on to that, but before I go, Jen, do you have anything you want to add? Nope. I, I don't think so. I think, uh, with what Jason was just saying, I think that's a big part of it, of, um, value your resources, time <laughs> and their, and their brains, honestly, because it's not just soul sucking to do nothing but marketing pixels and a, you know, that's boring and all of that. But if you even were to see the value that came out of it, I think that would help in a lot of cases. Um, I also think folks need a little bit more challenge and the monotony of it might be a killer, but at bare minimum, if you are including them in part of the bigger conversation and showing them the value and letting them provide their insights on the best way to get there and all of that, uh, you, you're giving them an opportunity to be more valuable, which then gives your data the chance to be more valuable. Agreed. Um, and then the one last thing I would add to it, you know, advice specifically for say, a te technical implementer is avoid that short-term dopamine hit. You know, for, for some people like, the, you know, that accomplishing a task, you know, it's like, yeah, that, that feeling of I'm helping, you know, that, that feeling. Don't of, at me, it, Jim. What's that? <laughs> Don't at me. No, but that that is me. That that that's that's definitely I've, something I struggle with. Of I oh, I can solve that, that real fast. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, I I fall for that too. And that, that, that that's the thing. Like sometimes this podcast is a bit of a therapy session. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I fall for that 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 trap too. That's why I'm saying, like you know, you you get this fleeting short term feeling of feeling good because you're helping a client out, but in the real term, you know, the, 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 in the, in the real long term, are you, um, are you actually getting done stuff of value? Mm -hmm. And ultimately sometimes like the, that, 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 that short feeling of I'm doing good by my client, you know, when you actually look at that stuff up, it's, it's small little things that ultimately don't mean much in the end, you yeah. know, instead of spending the time on the stuff that's really going to make a difference. So yeah. avoid like that, 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 that little feeling. I, I get my, my dopamine hits off of uh, measure slack now. That's honestly why I do it is it's just like, you know, I can take 15 minutes and answer somebody's question about, about why something, something in launch isn't working. Cause I've experienced mm -hmm. it before. And, and that gives me that little bit of, I accomplished the short term thing. Mm -hmm. Now I can go back to the bigger questions where I'm not going to be able to pat myself on the back at the end of the day and, and say, yeah, you accomplished the, the thing because it, it mm -hmm. takes weeks and months to really accomplish it well. Agreed. Well, cool. This was a really fun conversation. I was actually curious where we were going to go with it. So hopefully, hopefully valuable. I, clearly valuable for Jim. It's his venting <laughs> session. There, there are some. There are some topics that come up. I'm like, yep. Jim just needs to like let this go. <laughs> he needs to blow off some steam. Yeah. <laughs> so. Good stuff. Well, thank you both, and uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up there. All right, see you. All right, thanks, cool. Jim. Thanks. thanks. Talk to everybody later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. 
If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics